Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish in the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to their God, and they hurled their cargo into, and they held the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the gods will give, us, give a thought to us and that we may not perish. They then said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account his evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us, whose account, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temperous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more temperous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it is pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and held him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the sheol I cried, and, he, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your te- holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped up, eh, wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up, my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Um, I'm going to start off with prayer. Um, Lord, I pray that you would be revealed through this, um, that we would come to know a little more of your character and your nature um, as we sit in the word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that it would be your words on my lips. Um, and I thank you, Lord, that you have put these things on my heart during this week. And I thank you for all of those who have been a part of the preparation for this. Lord, I pray that I would be able to clearly communicate your message tonight. Amen. Hi. Um, for those of you who I haven't met, my name is Sarah Huntington. Clarification needed. <laughs> um, and I've been a part of the community here at Hills for six years. Um, this is my first time up here, so I'm a little bit nervous and a whole lot of excited. Um, and in my day-to-day, -day, a little fun fact, I work as a bushwalking instructor. Um, so mostly year nine students and I take them out on hikes. Um, very, very blessed to have that as a job. So I could share a bushwalking story um, about how I go out and I climb these mountains and I walk through these valleys. Um, and you know, it's hard and there are challenging moments along the journey. Um, and there are moments where I'm like, this sucks. My bag is heavy and my feet hurt and the kids, oh, sometimes challenging. And I go, I don't, I don't want to be here. I have to admit though, I haven't got to the point where I say, do you know what, I don't want to be here, just throw me into the ocean. <laughs> Quite, on a bushwalk there yet. Uh, I haven't been pushed to that point but I have been there in my life. I've walked some pretty hard stuff, especially in the last year. And there have been moments where I have wanted to walk away. And I've wanted to say, you know what, God? This is too hard. You know what, God? I am done. It's too much. What you're calling me to is too hard. Or even sometimes, just God, this life that you have put me in is too hard. It has not been easy to be me, and I have definitely faced a few hardships in my life. And mo there have been moments where it has been a challenge to keep moving. And all of that is to say that sometimes in life, there are moments where we ask the question, what if I don't want to follow God anymore? When things are bad enough that you just don't want to be there, have you ever had a moment where you have asked yourself this question, ever thought that maybe life would be easier if you just walked away? Gone through something so hard that you've just wanted to give up? I've been there. A few times I have sat in the darkness and I have wrestled with this. Is this a question that you are facing for the first time in your life? standing on the outside and wondering if this is a God worth believing in, let alone following? Or have you grown up in church, followed your parents or your friends here, yet to decide if you're going to follow on your own? At some point, we all face this question. 
No matter how strong our faith or where we have started from, we might even face this multiple times in our lives, which are by no means guaranteed to be easy. Where are you? Are you facing this question now? Have you faced this question? This is the question that is answered in Jonah's narrative. Jonah walks away from God. He's straight out of town, not going to follow God anymore. And he goes from running away to declaring in 2 verse 9, but I, with a vow of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's quite a journey for two chapters. So let's look into it. But before we do, some headings. I'm a note taker, so I love these. Um, I'm going to break the text into three movements. And I'll point out some things of interest as I go. Be warned, it might get a little nerdy. Um, I'll draw out some application stuff at the end. So, the journey down, sitting in the pit, and going up. And then some application. Josh Miller, he's going to look into the second half of Jonah next week. So get really keen for that. (laughs) I'm going to stay in chapters 1 and 2. So, the journey down. So, verse 1 and 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah's running away from God. Um, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That is a clue. The author is telling us that he's a prophet. And God calls him to arise. We expect a prophet to go up to God. Think Moses on Mount Sinai, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But Jonah, he flees and he goes down to Joppa, finds a ship and goes down into it, away from the presence of the Lord. In verses 4 and 5, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to land it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So what is Jonah doing? He's continuing to go down. In verse 4, God, God hurls a great storm. And where is Jonah? He goes down into the ship and down to sleep. The word down, it appears a lot here. And so far, he has chosen to go the opposite way that we would expect a prophet to go. In verses 12 and 15, we see Jonah continuing down. The sailors are afraid, so what do they do? They hurl their cargo and Jonah into the ocean. Note here that Jonah first tells the sailors to throw him into the ocean. He would rather die then turn back to God at this point. Note, this is the same word as God hurling the storm. So a lot of down and a lot of hurling going on. After this, in verse 16, the sailors fear the Lord and they offer sacrifices and vow. And where is Jonah? Well, 
down into the belly of the fish in verse 17 for three days and three nights. Now, this is a repeated theme throughout Scripture. To the original audience, three days and three nights meant a time of testing, danger, or nearness to death, a time of an ominous journey. And they would have known this from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. It's repeated through Exodus that the journey from Egypt to Mount Sinai will take three days. We can see that in Exodus 15, 22. And this is what Jesus is calling to mind and referencing when he says the sign of Jonah in Matthew, before going into the grave for three days and three nights. Note here that it is also God who appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah is on an ominous journey down away from God. Jonah has not chosen to follow God, and it has led him down. He is a prophet who we expect to go up, but so far has only gone down. We don't know why Jonah has run from God, only that it's unexpected. He knows that God sent the storm because of his actions, and the sailors fear God, but Jonah is held into the ocean. And it is God who appoints the great fish to save him from that ocean. So, sitting in the pit. So Jonah here is sitting in the grave, the bottom of the bottom. What does he do now to get to salvation belongs to the Lord and back onto land? Verse 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. The belly of Sheol here, funny language, it essentially means the grave. Jonah couldn't get any lower. It's what the author is telling us here. And what does he do? Jonah calls out to God out of the same distress that the sailors called out to God. And God answers him, even though he walked away. In verse 3, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Jonah recognizes God's hand in the storm. The author uses a similar word here. Both the word hurled and this one can be translated as cast out. Jonah knows that it's because of God that he is in the grave. This leads him not to be angry at God, but to recognize his love. As a wise man once said, the opposite of love is not anger, but indifference. Um, that was Nick. <laughs> God has not abandoned Jonah when he walked away. God has pursued Jonah even to the grave. And God isn't waiting on a mountaintop for Jonah to climb back up to him. He is in the grave with Jonah. Who does that remind you of? Maybe Jesus in the grave for us, going down so we don't have to? In verse 4, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. So what 
does Jonah do? He turns back to God. God is right there and has already saved his life before he called out. God has sent the fish. There are other times that the big fish are mentioned in the Bible. Like in Job, what you need to know is that they are always under God's control. I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. This is the moment that Jonah says, all right, I am at the bottom. I am in the pit. Yet, I shall again look upon your holy temple. In verses 5 and 6, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land. At the roots of the mountains, I went down. Jonah is taking ownership of his decisions and actions that have led him down to the bottom and into the grave. So where's Jonah? Jonah is in the pit. He calls out to God, recognizes his love through discipline and not despite it, and takes ownership of his decisions and actions that have led him down. So... Going up. Yet, you brought up my life from the pit, oh my, oh Lord my God. The end of verse 6. So far, we have been going down with each step that Jonah has taken. But here, God is bringing him up. When Jonah's life was fading away, he called out to God, remembering him, and his prayer reached him. We see this in verse 7. Jonah is remembering God. This is a repeated theme in Scripture. Remembering the character and nature of God. Calling to mind who God says that he is. Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Jonah is remembering a God who is gracious, slow to anger, merciful and abounding in steadfast love. Jonah knows not to trust in idols to save him. Verse 8, to do that is to forsake the hope of steadfast love. A steadfast love that is there no matter how far down we've gone. A love that Jonah can trust in and a love that follows him even into the grave. With thanksgiving, he will vow a sacrifice He will vow and sacrifice to God, just like the sailors did. Salvation belongs to the Lord alone. Jonah was unable to save himself. And in verse 10, God speaks to the whale. Without Jonah doing anything, the whale vomits him up onto dry land. Before he can do any sacrifices... 
there definitely weren't any sacrificial lambs in the whale with Jonah. (laughs) And Jonah doesn't even have to climb out of the whale. It vomits him up. So what can we know from this? It was God who brought Jonah up from the pit. And Jonah remembers who God is, his steadfast love, and he will not forsake it for idols. He is unable to save himself. And it is God who speaks to the fish that vomits him back onto the dry land. Jonah does nothing to bring himself back up. As for us, how does this apply? Well, there is some good news. In Romans 5 verse 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is grace. That even in our pit, when we were incapable of saving ourselves, God would make a way for our salvation. That Jesus would step down from heaven and go down into the grave Dying for us while we were still sinners, still sitting in that pit, unable to bring ourselves up. And that he would rise again, and our freedom would be in his hand. So, coming back to the question, what if I don't want to follow God? Here are a couple things that you can know for sure from this story it's probably going to go downhill. And even if it does, even if right now you are sitting in that moment where you are not sure, or maybe you've already given up or are thinking about it, know that no matter how far away from God you have gone, he's going to be right there behind you. He's going to try and he's going to get, your, to get your attention, maybe even through a storm. And he's going to follow you into the grave. And he's going to do it all out of love. Those hard things that happen to you when you decide to walk away, they are out of love. That is the God of heaven pursuing you, chasing after you, no matter how far you have walked away. No matter what pit you have ended up in, God is going to follow you. And he is right there with you. And when you call out to him, he is going to hear you. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to crawl back out of that pit. And you don't have to go climb a mountain to get back to him. And he's followed you all the way down. And all you have to do is call out and he will do the rest. Recognize who he is and the love that he has for you. That his character and his nature is one of a good God who loves you as his child no matter what. And no matter how far away you have walked, know that he has pursued you, recognize him in the storm, and as the one who hurled you into the ocean, and as the one who saved you from that ocean before you did a thing. And recognize all of that was done out of a steadfast love. You don't have to go anywhere and you don't have to do anything. So know that if you walk away, he is there. He is right there and he is ready to bring you up from that pit. 
And he has not left you, nor has he forsaken you, and he still loves you. And he knows every step down that you have taken, and he is not giving up. He is the one in control, and he is pursued. He may have disciplined you, and know that that is out of steadfast love. Remember who he is, and call out God's going to take you up, because this is grace. That even in our pit, when we are incapable of saving ourselves, God would make a way for our salvation. Ben can probably come up now. <laughs> Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this message and your word and the time during the week that I had to prepare this. Thank you for every single person that you have brought into this room to hear this message. And thank you for who you are and the way that you pursue and the way that you love us and the way that you are standing right behind us. I thank you for the way that you hear us even when we are in the grave and that you are always there waiting for us. I thank you for who you are and the way that you love us and how you have brought us up from the grave and that you send your son to die for us so that we don't have to do a thing. God, I thank you for this. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.